Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, guys? Welcome to the sesh. Today we got a special guest, but before, Rob, what's up, dude? I'm back. <laughs> been, it's, it's been a while, man. We've been, we've been working in Harlingen, and Josh finally kicked up the podcast again. I said, well, you know, I'm going to crash. I'm going to sit in. I'm interested in what uh, I've heard about you thus far. Good. So I said, let me uh, let me crash this one. <laughs> so today we got Sabrina Walker. Sabrina, uh, introduce yourself. Tell everybody a little bit about yourself. So I'm Sabrina Walker Hernandez. Um, I've been in the Valley for about since 1992. Look, let me, true story. Added the Hernandez. I was married, been married for 30 some years. But I've been Sabrina Walker for a long time, and I added the Hernandez when my husband went off to war. Okay. To Iraq, and I was like, if anything pops off, I want my insurance money. Uh-huh. So <laughs> we ain't playing Smart around. Money. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. She's in the eyes, yeah, right? yeah, that's right. Awesome. So tell everybody a little bit about what you do in the community. So what I do in the community, and what, um, so I've been in the nonprofit world for over two and a half decades, right? Wow. I started out in the county doing um, all the sub-recipients in Hidalgo County. Kind of boring, but I loved it. I geeked out on it. So I would go into nonprofits and I would like look at their audits and their 990s and make sure, you know, their receipts and make sure if they got money from the county that they were spending the money on what they said they were spending one on. Interesting. Very interesting. You kept everybody in check. I kept everybody in check, (laughs) right? And found some interesting things, and we won't go into that. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, and then from there, I um, transitioned over to working with the Boys and Girls Club. And I retired from the Boys and Girls Club in Edinburgh after 20 years. And what's interesting about the Boys and Girls Club is, in Edinburgh particularly, is they are a quasi-department of the city. Um, And so I got to work in city government and nonprofit at the same time and it really fit my background and so I I absolutely loved it and in 2018 I retired Um, I got diagnosed with cancer I do say that because um, it can be stressful running a nonprofit and if you don't find that balance it's it's always a hustle because every year um, you are responsible for that budget right Mm -hmm. and that means you're responsible for your staff you know your entrepreneurs it's very similar to being an entrepreneur except for people don't think that nonprofits should make money you solving world problems but by God you can't make any money off of it Mm -hmm. Um, but you do need to make money because you have to pay your staff you have to keep the lights on you have to do all of those things and so it was stressful and in 2018 I got diagnosed with not one cancer but two wow uh two blood cancers I didn't even know you can get 
cancer, two cancers at the same time. I had no idea. Um, so I had um, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma and multiple myeloma. And so when I was in the hospital bed, this is all going to come together. When I was in the hospital bed at MD Anderson, um, I was like going through my treatments. I had a stem cell transplant, all that. And I was just thinking, I don't want anybody else in the nonprofit world or any world, really small business to, to get to this point, right? So what can I do to help? I have all this knowledge in my head. I've retired. I got a little time on my hand. When you have a stem cell transplant, you're in a hospital for 30 days. So you have time to think. I had time to think. Mm -hmm. So I launched my business from the hospital bed, wow. supporting World Hope. And the whole goal is to help um, small businesses and nonprofits um, build relationships that increase revenue by planning, because most of us don't plan uh -huh. um, through board education because a lot of times I don't know if you served on a board or they'll look at you and they're like oh he has a podcast you know he has you know all this popularity let's get him on our nonprofit board right. and then they get you there and you never been on a board and yeah, they no don't educate do. you and you don't know what to do so you kind of just sit there and there's nothing in place to get you acclimated. And that happens so many times. That's true, actually, yeah. because I got approached once because uh, I, I was doing photography and videography mm -hmm. at the time. I was like, I'm going to get him on the board so he can do all the photography and the videography. And I was like, you get to put the, the name on your stamp. You get to say that you work for this company. Mm -hmm. And I was like, mm, OK. But I never did it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? It's, it's about that, but it's also about and be honest with people when you want them on their board. You, yes, you want their skill, but you also, you want their talent. You want their time because they have to show up, but you also want their treasure. Right. You want their money, mm -hmm. right? And then people go, well, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna talk to them about, I'm gonna ask them to be on the board because I want them to come do the podcast, do the video stuff, but I'm not gonna talk to them about money because if I talk to them about money, I'm gonna scare them away. Right. But then you go to the first meeting, if you would have said yes, you would have went to that first meeting and they would have said, oh, we have this fundraiser and everybody has to raise this much money yeah. without even sharing that with you in, in, the in the beginning. You're like, hey, I'm just here to film some videos. Right. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> now I got to so, invest in you know, this. <laughs> so it's doing all those things. So that's that's how I launched my business and that's that's the whole plan. <laughs> yeah, the, the interesting part is uh, when, when I reached out to you is right after the South Texas Museum fundraiser and I believe what, they made like 215000 you had a hand in that. Yes. So I, I saw. <laughs> so I saw that. I was like, "Wow!" I, I was sharing it with everybody. Yeah. I was like, Look, "They made two hundred fifteen thousand yeah. dollars in one night." Yeah. Obviously, it wasn't one night, right. right? But the the acclimation of all that work, right, to that one event, kind of explained that because I'm super interested in that. I, it's gonna have. It's gonna have a follow up question. question yeah. <laughs> so it's not like you said. It's not just about that one night. It really is about who you have on your board of directors and when you ask them to be on the board there's a um an interview mm -hmm. there's a board interview and they're, they're very good about their board interview so you come in you do the interview with the nomination committee and they talk about this is what the expectation we have for board members one you need to be a member of our heritage society so to be a member of the Heritage Society is $1,500 minimum. So I knew up front I got to write my check for $1,500 because I got to join the Heritage Society if I say yes right. to this opportunity. Two, I have to sell a table for the Fandango event. Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. right? At minimum. And then at minimum, I also have to sell my five raffle tickets, which was the, the luck of the draw event that they had. So multiply it. So that's about $3,000 at minimum each board member. So multiply that by the 24 board members that they have. Mm -hmm. And not only that, there is an expectation when you get on that board, they have created an environment where, and people that you say, I am not gonna be the weakest link on this board. Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> it's a peer pressure from hell, yeah. but I'm not gonna be the one to drop the ball, right? right. And so everybody comes to the table leaning into their strengths. And when they lean into their strengths, you can do a one night event and make $215,000. Interesting. So a lot of it's strategic. A lot of it is strategic. Well, it's it, who you pick. It's who you pick. It's who you pick yeah. to be a part of your board. Of your dream team. Yes, and that's right. what I tell people all the time. Your board is your dream team. You are trying to create the Chicago Bulls when Michael Jordan was in charge. Right. Someone is going to get you to that vision. So let me ask you this, those those 24 board members or the board members that you bring on board, what are the common characteristics and attributes that they all possess besides money? Yeah, so I ain't got no money. Uh, <laughs> let me start there. I, I did write my check, but I, um, I don't have no money. Don't become asking me for no money. Um, but what they all have in common is they all have a passion for, so my minor in college was history. A lot of people don't realize that. And so they all have a passion for the mission. And in this particular case, the mission is to make sure that the history of South Texas and Northern Mexico um, is elevated and that it's known. And in particularly for me, a lot of people don't know that the, there was a Southern Underground Railroad, mm -hmm. right? And the museum is trying to bring voice to that. Okay. And so I'm very passionate about that. So picking the people that are passionate about your mission is going to be one step. Once you know that they're passionate about your mission, the next step is making sure you do have an interview process, you set what the expectations are, and then you hold people accountable to that expectation. It You can't be... I don't know what good word for pussyfoot around. <laughs> you don't get foot. it, right? Yeah, yeah. You can't be pussyfooting around all that. You just hold people accountable and set the standard. A good board chair will set the standard, and having a good leader um, is is going to help elevate that. Right, and it's. And I would assume it's very hard to wrangle twenty four people into one room and have them. The, uh, you know, this yeah. is what we're gonna do. Let's all move forward to this. Right. Uh, what does that look like in the board? So it looks like everybody leans into their own strengths. That's what it looks like. And sometimes people's strengths are not. I'm not gonna be the one to go out. Look, I can do my minimum. I can get one table. I might be able to get two tables. I'm gonna do the minimum, but where it looks like my strength is, I'm gonna show up during the week when setup is happening, and I will help the staff set up. Right. Right? Whereas somebody else, they can't do that, but they'll go out and they'll get like five table sponsors. Or someone else, maybe they can't do the five table sponsors or do the setup, but what they'll do is make sure the right people are at the event who will bid on the auction items. So it's leaning into that person's strengths and giving them an opportunity to say okay if you can't do this then what what can you do and how to reach that goal whatever it is right yeah okay i got you well we we have a question we okay. uh we've been 
pushing our collapse. The collapse is uh, the documentary that we made a while back, and now we uh, we had an award-winning documentary. And now we have an award-winning script. Okay. And uh, we have always wanted to see it on the big screen. Mm-hmm. And Rob, maybe you can fill her in on. Um. So yeah, I guess um, we are curious and um, about how to go about raising the rest of the money that we need mm-hmm. to produce this film, right? But I hear you talking and you're, you're speaking a lot about board members and it kind of sounds like to me that it, it's um, what you're specializing in is finding the people that know how to find the money. Yes. And, and orchestrating that, yes. you know, and making sure. And I was curious about when you said you hold them accountable to what extent? And then we'll get back to this a little bit because I, I kind of had that question and I wanted to... So accountability looks like um, it's not it's not being rude, <laughs> right? Well, I, I mean, kind of like you hold them accountable to the dollar amount? To the dollar to, amount oh, to wow. showing up. Um, so, for example, it's about creating a culture. So the organization that I ran at the beginning of our board packet, we had a Excel sheet that had all the board meeting dates, people's name across the top, and if they were absent, we put an A. If they were present, we would put a P, because our bylaw said that if you were absent three or more times, then we can vote you off the board. So we wanted everybody to be aware of where you were at, so it wouldn't be a surprise. Um, If um, accountability looks like um, here's if your responsibility is raising three thousand dollars, it is letting me know where I'm at in that yeah. journey. It's not being human nature is if you say this is what you're responsible for, but no one ever talks about it after that, you're gonna be like, oh, it's not important. Right. Out so, of sight, out of mind. Out of sight, out of mind. So it's that was about having those conversations. And not only that, it's, um, if you're in a board meeting and you say, oh, I know such and such, I'll follow up with them, right? What's going to happen after that board meeting? I'm going to tell you what's going to happen for me. I'm going to forget. Mm-hmm. I'm going to forget I ever said it. So accountability is having someone, a staff person if you, um, in an organization, taking notes and remind, sending an email, say, hey, did you talk to such and such? Most unlikely, I'm going to be like, oh, no, I forgot to talk to Sally. You know, I, I left the meeting and I just, I just forgot. Let me do it right now. Yeah. It's having those reminders and that accountability. Yeah, the main thing Josh has taught me is that, that, that um, we live and die by the paperwork. You know, and the paper trail. Yes. And, and so his list and his checklists and the emails and stuff. You'll sit here and tell me, Robert, I know this is like the last thing on our list to do, but we can do it right now. Let's just get it. Let's just do it. Let's just do it, right? Let's just get it over with, you know? right? So, so the accountability for things as important as uh, checklists and the accountability for people and individual for, you know, doing what they say they're going to do yeah. when they sign up to these boards. Is, right is basically where it's at. Everybody yeah. just needs to be accountable for it. Right. For and it's not that they they are bad people. They just forget. They're human. We have, yeah, human. Yeah. No, we have so, life yeah. gets in the way. Yeah. When I leave here, I know I have a coaching call. Then my husband's going to call me. And then I'm going to have to stop and eat because, you know, that muffin ain't going to do it, right? <laughs> so, um, you know, all these things are going to yeah. get in the way. And I'll just forget. 
Yeah. And so it's nice to have somebody that kind of holds you accountable just to remind you, oh, don't forget you said you were going to do this. Yeah. And you're like, oh, yeah, thank you for the reminder. You're appreciative, right? Yeah, yeah, you don't absolutely. feel harassed or anything. You're like, it's appreciative. So I will tell y'all, gentlemen, this. If you ever tell me something, I say, oh, I'll do that, and you don't see me write it down, it's, it's never gonna it. happen. Never gonna happen. Like never gonna happen. So oh, yeah. forget about it. So, yeah, so things like that. We're asking for stuff. Could you get your pen and paper? Right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I got I one right here for you. I literally have things to do, and then when I don't, this phone and notes, and then I have to go at night, at the end of the night, and look through all my notes, and then put it in my things to do notebook. I'm still that girl. Yeah, and yeah. same here. I work yeah. off lists. It just yeah. helps me. Yeah, yeah. Check, 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 check. Next. It feels next. good. Yeah. Yeah. I, that's what I was telling them the other day. And it, I don't think people really understand me because yeah. the, the power of the yes, list is you have endorphins. Yes. Oh my God. That's exactly what I'm saying. I did it because in the morning after I make my bed and I look at it, I'm like, hmm. Oh, you still make your bed? I still make my bed. <laughs> so I, don't I, can't, I, can't leave, I can't leave my house and my bed's a mess. Oh, so I military. Get the, I get the little. The, the little uh, yeah, it's that true. Yeah, you, you yeah. set you, you set up those little yeah. wins, and the more yeah. wins you get over the day, you yeah, feel you're better. Yeah, like, look at that, the girl is rocking. <laughs> you know? So for everybody listening, the, one of the life hacks is to create a checklist. The yeah. checklist gets your little endorphins rolling, and the more yep. success you get throughout the day, the better you feel, and you become successful yeah. over the day. And over the long term, you become more you successful. You get some stuff done. I can honestly yes. say that uh, every project that we, uh, Josh and I, have embarked on has a uh, has been done with a checklist yeah and and so and when you when you start checking them off and you get there to the done it's it's a it's a high yeah almost. it's yeah. a great high it's a great map so so let me go to the question mm -hmm. um have you ever raised or put together proceeds for a project that isn't a fundraiser that is a privately uh you know um pushed project and and who? for my business yes for me yes but okay. not for anyone else but when you said what you said about your script and all that i started thinking well do you know this person because i know this person knows this person who's a publicist in la and and they represent mario lopez so i think of relationships, relationships. and we that's that's the way my mind works um, so no, to answer your question, no. Would you assume that it would be much? much I assume different? that it will be the same process because it's about relationships. So let's run through that process. Okay. So okay, we have already been pledged half a million dollars to create this movie, mm -hmm. this film. We need another one point five million dollars. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. How do we get that $1.5 million? How do you get that $1.5 million? And are you looking to raise that $1.5 million in your backyard, expand beyond your backyard? What's, what's, the, what's the criteria? That's a really good question because we haven't even asked ourselves that. Okay. Um, I think that there is enough uh, present liquidity here in, in the Valley too. To, to sustain and support and, and fund not just one, but several mm -hmm. multi-million dollar projects. And, and it's evident, anywhere you drive right now in the valley, you can see the construction, you can see the developments and the growth. Just the, the fact that we have so many high-end luxury car dealerships mm -hmm. here in the valley mm -hmm. says a lot. You yes. know? And, and we're catching up to these big metropolitan areas up north. So I think that there's a lot of money here in the valley and and I'll extend even furthermore and go that there is proceeds in Mexico mm -hmm. that, that, uh, 
that get distributed here in the state for projects and right. stuff. So I don't think that we would have to travel very far to find um, the deep pockets right. and, the, and the enthusiasm for art and projects and history, like the bridges, uh, okay. the collapses. Okay. I don't think we'd have to go very far, mm -hmm. but I would never be opposed to going to going where right. I need yeah. to go right. to bring somebody who's enthusiastic and well-funded to be a part of creating history. You okay. Know? So this is what I would do. I would probably not do it any different. So 1.5 million. I love doing this thing called a gift range table. So I put the goal in there of 1.5 million and then along the sides I put, okay, what's the smallest amount I'm going to take? I would assume in this case 10,000? Well, no, not necessarily because there is a 12 person. We want to keep the amount of uh, investors and participants to 12 so that we can avoid different uh, Different legal stuff that we don't want to deal with. Okay. It's just too many hands. So based on that, I would do. I would put the. I have a formula. So I will put the 1.5, and then whatever your minimum gift is, I will put that, and then what's the next, and the next, and the next, right? And then that spits out. I need this many gifts at, at this, this level. Gotcha. This many gifts at this range. This many gifts at this range. Once you know how many gifts you need at what range, then the thing becomes, okay, who do you know, right? And I, lo I love this thing called the list generator. So because you tell people, um, well, who do you know that can give $50,000, whatever that number is? And they go, I don't know anybody who can give $50,000. That's just human nature. So I, I use this tool called list generator where I say, okay, well, all I'm trying to do is get the names out of your brain. Name two people that you know you do business with. Name two people that you're in a rotary club with. Name two people that are elected officials. Name two people that own construction companies. Name two people, that process. And then once you have that, you have about 50 names on that list. Then you go, okay, of those 50 names, who are my top five prospects um, based on and I will share this with you too. Sometimes you have to do a wealth screening. Um, there are tools out there where if you put in the person's address, um, their name, you pay for this. Okay, mm -hmm. it spits back to you what their net wealth is. Interesting. And so when we did our twelve million dollar capital campaign, we did a wealth screening. And so we had donors who had given to us um, and people who had not given to us, but we knew their addresses. And so we put that information in the system and that's, that information comes back to you. And the, the one we did, it says they're A person, a B person, C person, whatever that is. So we had an A person in our community. That A person is value at like $3 million or more. Plus. Yeah. So it gave us that. And then we, when we did the list generator and we was like, Oh, they're on our list. Somebody knows them. Mm -hmm. They're right here, and their their net worth is what? Yeah. Okay. Their arms reach. Wow. Yeah, they're in arms reach. So let's set up a meeting with them, and that's how we did it. Interesting. And we just start setting up meetings and saying, "Here's the vision. Here's what we want to do." And would you like to be a part of that vision? At that point, it becomes what a sales process. Yeah. So jump me through that sales process. What is it? What does it look like when you talk to a person that is worth $3 million mm -hmm. versus a person that's worth $1 million versus and start going down? Like, just give them three ranges, $3 million, $1 million, and then half a million. Okay. So it's not really different. You share the vision of what you're trying to do. 
Um, and I can only speak from it from the viewpoint of the nonprofit world, right? Sure. So I have to share that with you. And so when we did this um, capital campaign, we shared this is what we want to do. Here are our gift ranges, whatever those are. And um, here's the vision. But if you want to, we ask for a specific amount. Let me, let me be very clear about that. Always ask for a specific amount. Don't make the people you're talking to guess. Yeah. Do not do that. Go in having known your research, how much they're capable of giving, what they're passionate about, know a little bit about them, right? Um, and then ask for a specific, will you consider an investment of this much mm -hmm. into this project? And that's based off of the, the, the I guess based on the three million dollars, you kind of do an assumption of what they can. Yes. What they would be yeah. able to. Yes. What okay. they would be able to do. First of all, if somebody knows them, so they know a little bit about them. Remember, they were on that list. Right. So they know a little bit about them, right? Um, and you know what they're kind of passionate about, what resonates with them. And then when you go in and you make that meeting, you. Um, talk about this is the project this is a vision this is why we're doing this and we want you to become a part of it gotcha we, we invite you to be a part of this because what you're basically doing is you're inviting people um, to give in my opinion where their values align so if you're making a movie and it's about the valley I, I'm, I'm whatever it's about mm -hmm. you're giving them an opportunity to invest in something where their values align gotcha and so really that's what it's about now for some people their value might be like is this gonna make money right so you need to go in and know what the return on investment is gotcha for sure right some people are going to give because they want to elevate a message so you have to know who you're speaking to and what resonates with them. No more than five, if you're gonna do a deck, like no more than five slides if you're going to do a deck. Because yeah. <laughs> people, you're gonna lose people. Yeah, yeah. exactly. The shorter so, the better, more condensed. More condensed. And always when you go um, do that type of meeting, it's always better to have two people hmm. with you. It actually makes the person feel more comfortable than to have a one-on-one. Why is that? Um, psychology. It's, it's the psychology of it. Have pitch two people at the same time? No. Or two pitchers? Two pitchers at oh, okay, the same gotcha. time. Okay, the gotcha. psychology of it, it just makes yeah. them feel comfortable. After all the research and, and looking at this, it's, um, it has been proven that it's better to have two people wow. than one. So one, two. Yeah, you got you got we all might the get ingredients 1. right million there. <laughs> you got all the ingredients right there. And so really really it really is about putting down who you know. Then if I would do a wealth screening, but with 1.5, I don't know if I would do a wealth screening. Okay. Yeah, because you it, you know a lot of people in the community they can tell you all that kind of stuff. So I don't know if I would invest the in a wealth screening. Yeah, the context clues kind of let you know that. Um, and then it's about okay, how do I get to them if I if I don't know them, but the people around you? Can you do an introduction? Can you you know? And then setting up that meeting and saying, here's the vision. This is where we're trying to go, and, and we invite you, you to be a part of that. And do you do the uh, the ask right then and there after that meeting? So here's the deal. 
I'm going to tell you this right now. You don't go on a first date and ask no girl to go all the way. <laughs> so why would you come on a first date with me and ask me for money? Right. So you got to build up. Okay. So typically, let's just, uh, let's give it a time frame. What does that time frame look like? This is what I always tell people. I, I do the five by five plan. Um, if, if it's, uh, and what I mean by five by five plan is if it's your first time ever meeting them and the people that are going to introduce you to them don't have a solid relationship and it's kind of like, I kind of know them, but I'm going to do the introduction. I say five touches, um, is appropriate, right? It's just like dating. It is, you don't go on a first date and go all the way. You do a little courting. You, you send them something, get uh, something, but five touches is what I say. Gotcha. And the best way, the best touches um, in my world is a face-to-face meeting, followed up by a phone call. That's two touches already, right? Sharing something via you know, social media or video, um, inviting them to a little a mixer. Yeah. Then bam, you ask them, but gotcha. don't just, yeah. Ask him. I need $1.5 million. Yeah. Two days, sir. <laughs> Unless your return on investment is like, ooh, yeah, I guarantee you're a Grammy or something. You know? Or an Oscar. Say, I've always been um, I've always been of that mind too. Not not the five touches though. I've always been of strike while the iron's hot kind of thing, you mm-hmm. know. And the times that I have been um, put in situations to where I had to seek outside financial support um i've always i always give my ass when i know definitively and and i can't explain how but Mm -hmm. i know that whether or not they have the money or or even the 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 guts to kind of take the leap of faith right but as soon as i know that i've transferred every bit of my enthusiasm on this project and passion over to them and now Mm -hmm. they're carrying that enthusiasm that's, yeah, that's the ask. time. That's the time. That's and I, I see about five. T- I, I, yeah, I, I mean, know, it's no yeah. science, but it's mm-hmm. about five touches yeah. is what I what I see. Here's another way that you can do it, too. Um, I love house parties um, in the fundraising world. And basically a house party is when you get and I'm going to go back to nonprofit world when you get um, a board member who has a very, very nice house. Um, to host a mixer for two hours Um, and then they invite 10 of their friends who they think will support this project Mm -hmm. right and then you get up you say this is what the project is the person says why they are supporting the project Um, you have some wine and cheese you have a little sign up sheet that says if you want more information about this put your information here yeah they've given you permission to reach Mm -hmm. out to them about it it's no longer a cold call. It's no longer a cold call. They're yeah. they're saying yes. yes I'm, yeah. I'm I'm interested. Well, let's stay on the subject of sales. Uh, what are like the most common objections that you get? Oh Lord, um, I don't know anybody rich. Um, as far as getting people to ask for money, <laughs> I don't know anybody rich. Um, the co- most common objections when you're there and you've asked for the money, right? is well let me talk to my spouse right or um if you haven't done your homework properly and you ask for too much money that can offend people believe it or not that can offend people um or you know you messed up when you ask for a certain amount and they just pull out their checkbook and Mm -hmm. they write the check you ask for too little too little yeah so the most common objections that 
I have, I don't have a lot of experience with the objections because I do my homework. Nice. <laughs> but again, it has been, well, let me talk to my spouse. Um, and the other objection has been around, um, not really an objection, but it has been around, um, can I pay that over time? Gotcha. Right. So giving them an option to pay in payments. Right. Always works. Best. Always works better for people. Some people, yeah. some people, I had a donor who, um, she didn't like making payments. Um, so she just wrote her check. She wrote a hundred thousand dollar check. Wow. I was very happy about that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Very yeah. happy about that because she had an experience before where someone had made a pledge to a certain nonprofit and they passed away and the family didn't honor it. Uh, wow. So, She's like, you. no, I write my checks. Yeah, I write my checks. That's yeah. A, and that's a good policy. Yeah. So. We, we had a, an entity that we reached out to help us with this. And I just want to pick your brain about mm -hmm. how you feel. Because our reaction was one, and I want to see if, if we were like-minded in the situation. Basically, they said, we'll go raise the money for you. Okay. For your movie, your collapse. Mm -hmm. But for every dollar that we raise, you're giving us 50 cents. Okay. Is that fair market value for that kind of service? Is, is it way too high? Not enough? Um, it's not my world. Let me say this. Okay. Well, just, not you know, my just world only guess. because in the nonprofit world, you're going to pay me whether I get the money or not. Because yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> I have the efforts. Yes. I got to put the efforts into that's that. Correct. So that's the, therein lies the difference. So, but I will say in the for-profit world that that is a good incentive but I would bet that I can't, I don't know the answer to that, right? But I would bet. Our initial instinct was, yeah, no, that's, that's way too much because right. um, if you raise a million dollars or we're short 1.5 mil and you raise it, I got to turn around and give you half of that back. Right. Yeah. And I'm still not funded. And you're still not funded. Even so got you got to raise yeah. more, but I'm still always trying to catch the catch up with yeah. the, with the so, um So we, we reneged <laughs> and said, you know, well, thank you, but we'll go, we'll go carry this load ourselves. Yeah. I don't think you need to pay anybody to raise money for you. I, I'm sorry. That's just my opinion, for-profit or non-profit, um, as far as that model, because it's all about relationships. You have the relationships. What you are, and I'm gonna call y'all out on this, what you may be lacking is the courage. We have these taboos about money, yeah. right? I don't wanna ask nobody for money. You're not asking them for money for you. You're asking them for money for your project. It's not a personal rejection. Right. You present the opportunity to them, and if they say no, it's okay. Mm -hmm. You move on. For every no, it's a closer movement to a yes. To a yes. That's yeah, it. I don't, uh, I've never had those issues. I, I have asked, and, and I get that question a lot. A friend asked me a couple days ago, how did, how did you get the guy to put the half a million towards the project? And I said, well, I asked him. Mm -hmm. You know, I asked him to. It was very simple. She was like, oh, my God, I could never do that. I could never ask somebody for money. And I said, well, I'm not asking. I'm not looking at it as I'm asking him for money for me. Right. It's for the project. Yeah. We're trying so to. I'm, I'm inviting him to an opportunity to, to be a part of something yes. that's bigger than he and I and his money. Exactly. And uh, my manager, Noemi, was she was like, oh, my God, I would feel responsible for that. And. I would feel such a burden, no. and I said, no. I said, no. I have faith in my project. Yes. I have faith in the passion, um, and and I think that uh, that's evident, and we have this track record, 
you know, and, and so our story and our project is uh, tried, tested, and, and proven. So I, I don't I don't get that reservation of I'm a, I'm giddy for him. Yes, I'm asking, I'm a lot of people I'm have that reservation. This. I don't get it. Yeah, yeah. I don't get it. You are one of the few. I still get nervous asking for money. I'm going to be very honest with you. Yeah. But like you, in my head, I'm not asking for Sabrina. Oh, yeah. I'm asking for whatever nonprofit or whatever project I'm working on. And it's, it's not fair to that project if I don't ask. If or it's not ask. fair to that child if I don't ask. It's not fair um, to the history of the area if I don't Correct. ask. Yeah, and yeah. people are going to give. Bottom line, we're very generous people. All you're doing is positioning, positioning yourself for them to give to you. Right. They're going to give. If you look at the giving stats in this country, we're we They're giving to somebody. Give. They're giving. Yeah. You just have to position yourself so they can give to you. And the number one thing is asking. People don't ask. Hmm. Yeah, and the word is all we have. Yeah. Like the word, our communication is that that's it. And and without our words, we can't build anything. We can't save anybody. Yeah. We can't uh, help one another. Yeah. We can't create without our words. Yeah. And so we have them so that we can ask. Yes. Ask for help and, 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 and offer help. So I've never been, and, and I'll be the first to say that I, I owe a lot of people money. My businesses do, I do personally. And um, I always put in the back of my head that, uh, that all of those irons are in the fire. Yeah. Everybody's money is allocated and, and, and where it said, I said it was going or mm -hmm. where the project mandated that right. it went. So I've never felt that asking somebody to be a part of something that I'm passionate about or that I know will be lucrative in the right. future, it's never phased me. Yeah. I've always felt giddy for that person. Yeah. Like, look what I'm holding and I want you to be a part, part of this. Part of this, yeah. right. You know? But to bring it to fruition, we need, we need, you know, we need money. We need money. We need money, yeah. Everything else, you know? Mm -hmm. it's, never been, uh, it's never been a thing for yeah. me. Um, you better be careful because people listening to this, they're going to ask you to be on their board. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I've never been invited to be on a board. I served uh, um, on, uh, with Casa of Hidalgo. Mm. You know, I, I had a case. And, and, and so I, I kind of get the whole board atmosphere. Um, it's a team. Team of yeah, people going team. after the same thing. It's things. a dream team. Yeah. You're you know, building a dream time, team. I kind of felt that, that some of the boards, uh, excluding the Casa board, but some boards and other facilities and other nonprofits, Kind of, I kind of felt like the board members were there more for a status or a resume kind yes, of title. Yes, you or get something. that and sometimes. So I think because of those experiences, when I have been asked to either be on a board or help a board, I always kind of felt a little standoffish. Yes. My first initial experience was that these people weren't there for, for the, the right reasons. For the cause. Because they yeah. needed it on their yes. resume. Yes, yes. And so I think mean, that turned me off. But yeah. now kind of hearing you talk about it and, and that these to me, it was just a status thing, honestly. Like, mm. Respectfully and honestly, mm -hmm. I thought that they're doing it because they want that status and that title. And, but um, 
now that you say that they're tasked with raising money and they got to do this and they got it kind of seems like a challenge that i would yes. be up for yeah i, I heard that really have to be in love with the the mission the mission yeah right? and i think that's where where i would yeah. fall short you know so pitch me your project rob jump okay. on in there man um pitch you the project mm -hmm. the project well i'll do this i'll just give you facts okay right and the facts are that um this is a true story that happened here in the valley 21 years ago lives were lost okay and some lives were saved but regardless all of port isabel all of south padre island and the vast majority of the valley was impacted mm -hmm. whether or not they had a hand in it or lost someone or anything we were all impacted in terms of the economy and tourism after i and the three other gentlemen that were with me that night rescued the only three survivors we were a part of an extensive long litigation mm -hmm. and mediation to settle at settling they put a 17 year old 17 year gag order on us we couldn't talk about it we couldn't uh -huh. discuss things those 17 years came and passed and i reached out to josh and we had a podcast and it was basically me just sharing the story okay. it's an hour and 30 minutes long the amount of positive feedback that we got was humbling astonishing and motivating and josh and i said well there's so much more to the story yes. than what we discussed on this podcast. Let's make the documentary, you know, let's give the people the visual aids and kind of really break it down. And the collapse documentary um, was created in like 30 to 45 days. And it went off to win several accolades, several best featured documentaries. And now throughout this process, a gentleman came up to me and said, look, I am a book writer and He's actually writing a book about the Underground Railroad that was here oh, okay. in Ghana. And things yes, so yes. His name is Juan Carmona. He's an excellent person and uh, a true friend of the studio and Josh and I. And he and I began to collaborate and we wrote the book. Okay. So we went from podcast to, to documentary, documentary to, a book. to now a publishing company has purchased the book and we'll be distributing the book nationwide wow. next year. And through that, Josh and I realized that although we had been telling the story based on these guys who went out and rescued some people accidentally one night, there happened to be a lot of research that was not done about some of the people who passed. And once we found out their stories and their backgrounds mm -hmm. and what they offered the community, we rewrote a script that I had been working on for 20 years. Okay. And really highlighted these individuals you know these pillars of their community right. uh respectively you know and so we wrote the script okay and it started winning screenplay awards right since we have started on this product and this mm -hmm. journey you know mm -hmm. every single aspect of it has been fruitful okay not monetarily. Josh and I have invested a lot of our own money and a right. lot of our own time and have not received one red cent in return. But our payment is the people who are helping us push it up, 
push it up the ladder, you right. know, like, and, and those people don't even know that they're helping us. They're just comments. Right. They're just, you know, friendly comments on, on the YouTube channel and all this stuff. We have a highly recognized product mm -hmm. that took place in an area in the United States where the vast majority of people in the United States are familiar with South Padre Island. Right. Because of spring break. Right. Nothing else. Right. Spring break has brought people to our valley and to South Padre Island literally from all over the globe. Yeah, 9 million people cross that bridge every year. Oh, every wow. Every year. I did not realize it was yeah. that And it's that expired, big. but yeah, different story. Yeah. It's expired. It's a dangerous bridge to be on. But that's neither here nor there. The fact of the matter is, is that this story and its success has very little to do with Josh and I other mm -hmm. than our consistency and passion. Okay. The story holds water and the project holds water because you, along with millions and millions of other people, have driven over that bridge. Yes. Have taken your families, yep. have gone to go have a good time, yep. drove across it safe, and the vast majority of y'all have no idea of its history. Right. So when our documentary starts and you see the causeway and you start reminiscing and say, oh my God, I remember 10 years ago I was at South Padre Island, spring break, I met my wife, I broke up with my girl, whatever your memory is, right. this story brings you back. It brings you, oops, sorry, it brings you right back to mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. And then you find out the tragedy that surrounds it and the triumphant rebuild. The story just sells itself. Mm -hmm. So the pitch is we have two ways to profit on this story and okay. to bring it to a realm where it will never be lost again. And it'll always be available to those who are, are interested. The two options that there is is that if you were an investor, mm -hmm. you can come in and say, Robert, we're going to give you a half a million dollars. Okay. And we expect a 15% return on our money. Okay. Not yearly when the project sells. Okay. Project might take 18 months to, to shoot. It might take another 18 months to sell. But as soon as there's compensation and a sell, you would get your half a million dollars back plus 15%. Or mm -hmm. it can be an investor instead of a lender. Okay. You can give me that same half a million dollars. Mm -hmm. And whatever that half a million dollars equates to in terms of the 2.5 or 2.2 million that we raise, mm -hmm. that'll be what you bought in for, your okay. allocated percentage. Now that we own the film in its entirety, we have two sources of... Um, I guess acquisitions uh, for somebody to buy it from us. What would that be? The Netflix distribution. The distribution. Mm -hmm. That's I was using the wrong word. So the distribution options are two, and they're constant, and we can capitalize on both. We can once we have the film, we can distribute it to Cinemarks, mm -hmm. AMC's, Draft Houses, theaters throughout the United right. States and Mexico and other places. And the split there is what they offer us is 40% of the ticket sales and they keep 60 plus the concession stands. Wow. Once we've exhausted that route, now we take it out of the theaters and we have a, a good record of what the viewing is, what the reception of it was. And now we take that to the streaming networks and to the aggregators who take it and say, all right, guys, this film is up for grabs. Hulu, do you want, want it? it? Netflix, do you want it? Now we sell it to them. And the reason we know that specific, those two two models, mm -hmm. is because Rob's been in contact with an exec that is specifically 
told them that. These okay. are the two different things that we this offer. This is how you can and approach that's it. it. And that's it. Okay. Correct. So basically we have a very, very substantial offer on the table. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a GM, a general minimum. Okay. So they're telling us you have a half a million. We will provide you with the 1.5 that you're short, but we only want to pay 3.7 million for your product. So whether you finish it and now we own it, we take it and distribute it to the theaters and then we sell it mm -hmm. to the streaming networks, that might be a $14, $15 million deal by the time everything is said and done. But you two, Josh and Robert, and your half a million dollar investor are, are capped at $3.7 million. We'll give you the money you need to finish mm -hmm. plus a few hundred thousand dollars more for your pockets right. and your efforts. But that's it. What we do with this film and how we it's sell a, it. Right. You, there's no back end for yeah. you. You're getting the minimum amount. Right. So Josh and I are now stuck with the choice. Do we take the general minimum and start the project literally tomorrow? Mm -hmm. Or do we take the half a million and use it to help us raise 1.5 million, finish the product and own it ourselves? Right. And now capitalize on the theater sales capitalize on the bidding war that, right. the uh, residuals and all that stuff and more than that you also get to maintain the integrity of the story correct yeah, There's yeah because once to it be gets to hollywood yeah. i'll tell you this right yeah. now this is a 110 page script of true facts right. the way it went down we sent this to a couple of other people in hollywood and las vegas and they turned it into Hollywood. Hollywood. <laughs> yeah. The only thing that was lacking was a, a, a monster, right. a Godzilla. You like, know. no, no, no. That's not how it happened. Yeah, that's not how it happened. See, but what's interesting so, about that before you say something mm -hmm. uh, is that I've been seeing people share online that uh, they make like the popcorn movies. They're called mm -hmm. popcorn movies, and another guy was calling his movies Chudo movies. And he was showing his check stubs of like $11,000, $17,000, $100,000 that he's been getting in residuals. Mm -hmm. So I was like, there's people that are doing this. Yeah. And it's a very lucrative right. deal if they do it the correct way. Right. So we just are trying not to miss out on the opportunity for the residual income because, right. I mean, we want to develop financial wealth throughout right. our whole life. Yes. Versus here, here you go. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. So basically what I hear you saying at the end of the day is you need three people mm -hmm. to invest $500,000 each. each. That's what you need. That would be the most ideal. That is we, the ideal. Yeah, that would be the ideal so that there are less heads of the tribe. Right. So to speak, because every person who has an executive producer title has a say to a certain mm -hmm. extent in, in decisions that directors like Josh and myself um, make. Mm -hmm. And they also decide um, what scenes we can afford and what ones we can't and how right. much time we're going to spend on certain things. And, and so, yeah, the, the less people involved, the better for everybody. Gotcha. Um, but, yeah, that's, that's kind of where we're at. We are stuck. Uh, we're kind of suffering from, I think it's a paralysis through analysis. Mm -hmm. We're really floating around not doing much because right. we're wondering, do we just sign and take the general minimum and watch this thing just really, you know, skyrocket and then say, well, we made something and we got right. our foot in the door now with a major entity. Um, or do we push pause and, and, and raise the $1.5 million mm -hmm. and really go after 
after the big money, you know? And so that's kind of where we're at. Do we yeah. see it through fruition <laughs> and just a little bit of change in our pocket or do we really chase the, you know, the golden? I am golden not apple? here to tell y'all what to do. Not financial advice. Okay. Not, well, not well, financial well, advice. What would you? However, <laughs> comma, I do have opinions. Um, and my opinion is, it is your baby. I would pause, find the 1.5. Right. That's kind of where we're at. Josh, right. Josh kind of tells me, Robert, let's pause a brief pause. A brief pause. A brief pause. Yeah. A brief pause. Like, let's yeah. Not, yeah. You got to give so, yourself a time, you know. What's that law? You gave it to me the other day. Uh, it's Parkinson's, Parkinson's law. Parkinson's law. Yeah. You mm. know, if you, if you set a time and a date as to when you have to do something, yes. you'll get it there. And yes. if you don't set that, that, that goal, you're just going to float right past It's just going to float right. So give yourself that parameter. If we need to have the 1.5 or the three people identify and asked by this date. Mm -hmm. And if that doesn't happen, then this. And the good thing is, and I think, and, and honestly, Josh was pointing this out too. He says, well, Robert, if we got the, if we got the general minimum offer, mm -hmm. even if you went, even if we went and found the 1.5, we have our 2 million. Right. And um, we shoot the movie and none of the theaters want to run it. There's too many big movies coming up. You're going to have to wait or whatever it is. We already got a guarantee of the general minimum. Right. My problem is, is that some of these investors don't want to come in as lenders. I have one gentleman who, who's not a half a million dollar buy-in, but he's a substantial amount of money. And he says, ah, I, I don't want to lend. I want to, mm -hmm. I want to come along for the, for the long haul. So those people who want to be investors are opposed to the general minimum offer because they know they're capped. Right. And, and that ceiling is, it just doesn't sit well right. with them. So I'm, I'm having to find the right group of people because if they all choose to go investment route, then we're pushing that slimy stone up the hill. Right. And if they all choose, oh, let's just go lending route, well, then I can do the general uh, minimum and still give everybody their 15% required and mm -hmm. still make a little bit of money. So. We've been juggling and, and struggling with, uh, with how to approach people because, one, we are novices. Mm -hmm. We've never made a movie. Right. The story itself is getting us to where we're at right, right. now and Josh's efforts and everything that we're doing. But uh, it's difficult to go to somebody and tell them, I need your hard-earned money to pursue my passion right. and tie you to a legacy. Right. You know, and this but is people believe needed. in legacy. If you're okay. se you're selling the legacy, yes, people yeah. believe in legacy. Well, don't doubt don't that. Don't doubt it. So it holds more water than just it, the letters in yes. the word. Okay. Yes. Yeah, because that's kind of where we're at. We don't know. I, I think that what you've given us thus far is is going to be invaluable. Just the simple list of two people that yeah. you know, and and how. And I have some names in my head, but I'm not going to say them on air. <laughs> okay. I'll let y'all. I'll tell y'all off this. <laughs> <laughs> that whole six degrees of separation right. puts everybody together at one point or another. So that that's pretty much our pitch. Yeah. We want to highlight the Rio Grande Valley yes. and South Padre Island. We want to discuss about how, and rightfully so, we were very um, overpowered and shadowed by 9-11. Yes. The events that happened mm -hmm. here would have made national news. Yep. Had 9-11 not happened, I think right. we all wish it wouldn't have happened. Um, but the fact of the matter is that there are people still today that drive on that bridge and 
go back home, never realizing the story, the story, the yeah. history, the lives that have been lost, right. and and the the impact it mm. brought on our community. This yeah. incident almost bankrupted the whole island, um, and it did bankrupt several mom and pop little restaurants that till this day I miss. Mm. Um, Gavin's, or there was a couple, there was several mm -hmm. restaurants and small bars and stuff that just went under because right. there was no more tourism there while they were building and rebuilding the bridge. So our pitch is that. And when I tell people, like when I told Charles, I said, look, Charles, put a half a million dollars into this thing um, because it's a part of history. It's tried, tested, and proven. I have yet to encounter somebody who says that wasn't a phenomenally entertaining and amazing mm -hmm. story. Mm -hmm. um, from the spiritual and the and the supernatural that took place that night to the sheer gravity of, of the whole thing and how how still 20 years later it's impacting lives. Right. Yeah. It's impacting our lives in the sense that we're pursuing. It has historical right. reference. Yeah, yeah just, it has the historical and, reference. And, and interestingly enough, it has been submitted to the South Texas Museum. Okay. So it's, it's there. The whole yeah. actual nine series podcast is, is there, there in is digital format right. with so. them, you know? I'm profiling the person that you need in my in my head is someone that, of course, has the means, but it's also someone who um, loves the valley. Mm. Um, and want to tell that story. And it's also something that you very clearly said, someone who's building legacy. So those are kind of like, if, you, if, you, if I look at it from the sales perspective, who's your avatar? Mm -hmm. That's your avatar. That's your avatar. I like that. That's your avatar. I haven't paused to kind of put my, um, I guess, list of people that I would yeah. mm -hmm. That's, that's, that's one I, of our goals on our goal it, list now. Yeah, put it, yeah, yeah. put it, write it, and then that's your list. And that you you say, okay, we're going to set up three meetings per week or whatever that timeline is. Give yourself a timeline yeah. and then go from that. And every no is a, is a step to the yes. And yes. you only need three people. That's right. That's it. That's it. And I believe when you do that generated list, you're going to have at least 10, 12 Find or more people on that list. Know somebody who does. Yep. Yeah. Or know someone that does. Great, yep. invaluable information. Yep. Uh, let, let's let's switch gears here. Okay. Um, I'm I'm a huge proponent. If I had for a business. half a million, I'd give it to you. <laughs> I ain't got it. I'm a huge proponent for business. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I love entrepreneurship. Ever since I found it, I was like, I don't want to do anything else. Mm -hmm. Ten to twelve million businesses will close each year. Yes. It's a staggering statistic. Yes. Um, what can these businesses do to help weather the storm? How do they get ahead? Okay, here's the deal. You might not like my answer, but you have to invest in your gaps and your learning. Just because you have a passion for helping people or a passion for cooking or a passion for whatever it is, doesn't mean that you know how to run a business. And so you need to invest. So when I said I was starting this business, um, I did a couple of things. I invested in a coach. I invested in a business coach. It was significant for me at that time. It was like $18,000, but it got me to where I needed to be. Um, on other people's, I learned about other people's stages. I learned about you know how to do my back office and marketing and all that. Um, fast forward, I did everything they told me to do. I feel good about myself. I'm now at a scaling part of my business, and so. Do I know how to scale? Not necessarily. So what do I do? I invest in a mastermind. 
So now just, um, I'm in a mastermind. Masterminds, if you know, are not cheap. Business yeah. masterminds are not cheap. But I have to invest in myself because in order for me to get to the next level, I'm paying for time. Can I figure it out? Yes, I can figure it out. But how long is it going to take me to figure it out? And that's right. expensive too. And that's very expensive. That's so I'd rather pay someone with the knowledge and save me time so I can start executing immediately so I can see the growth. And a lot of people don't think like that why why don't they think like that i'm of the same mind as you because i love conventions i love to go to these sales conventions and learn like right off the bat mm -hmm. and then you can start applying it you can start applying i don't think people really understand the the magnitude of all the information that you can get in a condensed mm -hmm. three-day events I'd like kind of touch right. on that you guys are making believers out of me because <laughs> yeah, i mean I've never been to one, but I've you seen need to the go. results. I've, I've told them, the I told them yeah. that I've gone before, and I've always looked through these things, and I was like, uh, I always get pushback for like, why are you going to go to that? Yeah. And I was like, I, I've said that too. I was like, really? dude, like, like, yeah, you I can learn I, so I just much. went to Atlanta this past week and went to a five-day conference. Wow. And I absolutely loved it. And I came back with, you know, you get there, you get excited, you get a lot of ideas, yeah. right? Um, but I came back with two things I'm going to execute on on a retainer uh, model for my business um, as well as um, still social media but going live every day yeah. in my group because I like 7,000 people in my Facebook group but knowing no I'm not I'm not converting them into leads or clients right. so I'm like what am I doing wrong and so just going from to that conference I'm like oh okay two things I can do I'm gonna do this and I'm gonna do this and that's gonna generate revenue for my for my company so I love going because it's the problems that you are struggling with, somebody's already done that. Mm, yeah. And they'll tell you. People are very giving. You take them to a drink at the bar, and they'll start telling you all kinds of yeah. stuff. Like, oh, yeah, we did that. This is what we did. And yeah, go to the sessions because I'm there for the learning for the sessions. But some of the best information I give, get sometimes is in the, in the hallway or at the, the bar. Yeah, the <laughs> I'm going to be very honest, yeah. 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 At the dinner table after the, after the, you right. know, the session. Like, after everybody's you, processed their information right, and absorbed. And right, yeah, right. Wow. I, I, I've always believed in that. Even when um, not just my business and entrepreneurial, but even, uh, well, I should and say even not just my business but I'm gonna say nonprofit is a business as well nonprofit is just a tax status you're still running a business mm -hmm. so in that world too I did conferences I went to Stanford University for the nonprofit innovative conference um, I got to go to Harvard Business School for their nonprofit stuff so you have to invest in your organization and in yourself because there's continual growth out there. Mm -hmm. And if you stay stagnant in your bubble, all you're gonna know is what you know. Right. And you're never going to grow. And you're gonna be like, well, why is my business not growing? Why is my business? Well, I, because you don't know any different. You're gonna keep doing the same thing. That's, that's like insanity, yeah. right? Keep doing the same thing, you're gonna get the same results. Yeah. That's it, that's, I, and I don't, you, Josh, I don't understand why people don't do I, it. Maybe they just don't think it's an option or they just don't know about it. Like one of the things I found that's the most interesting is that uh, you, you cannot, so your personal brand, mm -hmm. nobody can compete with your personal brand because people like to do business with people they know, like, yes. and trust, yep. but they also have to be competent. Yes. <laughs> so that's, that's the important part. <laughs> they have to be competent, but no one can compete with your personal brand. That's why I always tell everybody, like, 
put your stake in the ground and claim yep. your, it's, for me, yeah. it's digital marketing. It's like, yeah. I'm the guy that comes to digital marketing. I'm the expert. Yes, I'm that guy. I'm that guy. And it's yeah. interestingly <laughs> enough is that nobody wants to do that. Right. I don't, uh, why don't people want to do that? I think it might be just that imposter syndrome. Um, we all face imposter syndrome. And sometimes we also like, well, I don't have this certification or, or I don't have this or I don't. We're always constantly comparing ourselves to other people. But it's not even about the comparison. It is about know your stuff. Like you say, know your stuff, show up, give, right? And, and own own your expertise. Yeah. You have to, whatever arena you are in, you have to own your expertise. People follow success. Yeah. And if you are not saying, I am, I know my stuff and I am successful in this stuff, people won't follow you. I'm right. not gonna follow someone who's like, well, I don't know. Maybe it'll work. Maybe, yeah. no. Yeah, the interesting no. part about that too is I've found that that what I do doesn't work for everybody, right. but for the people it works for, fuck, they're, yes. they're, they're loving it. Yes, like, and it, that's what you say, you know, it ain't, it ain't for everybody. Yeah. But here's who I am for, and if that's you, and you wanna get on this train, you better come on and get on this train, because <laughs> this girl is moving, <laughs> right? <laughs> so let's talk about leadership. Mm -hmm. uh, I, know, I know you're huge into leadership, Yes. What are the skills that, that a good leader needs? So, for example, I've hired uh, one guy, and he sent me some stuff with, uh, uh, with the Apple guy. I forget his name. Uh, Steve Jobs. Uh -huh. And mm -hmm. he was like, uh, check this out. I think, you can, I think you can benefit from this. And I obviously know he's telling me, become a better leader. <laughs> so how do people become better leaders? What is the criteria for a good leader? I think, you know, I, I use this approach called uh, build. And B is for brand. And really it's about your vision is your brand. Right. And so having a vision because people don't, people want to follow visions. They, you inspire them with your vision. So what is that vision? Are you sharing that vision? Are you getting them to buy into that vision? And then you is, um, I say it's unleash, you know, but it's about unleashing their potential. Where do they fit on this vision board? Where do they fit in this environment and allow them to fail? You know, sometimes we're not real good at allowing people to fail and it's okay if they fail because you get the best learning and failure. Mm -hmm. But as a leader, you have to be comfortable with them failing and you have to give them permission to fail. And I will be the first to say that sometimes I'm not as good as that as, as I want to be, you know, um, but I used to tell my staff, as long as I don't go to jail, I'm good. So you can try <laughs> it, but you know, I ain't going to jail for you because right. I will throw you under the bus real quick. And it's a big uh, bus. Yeah, and it's a big bus. <laughs> <laughs> so that, and then the I is for inspire. And again, it's really about inspiring people to, um, you know, lean into, again, the vision, inspiring them to go beyond their job description. You know, I had someone say, um, I was just talking to someone and they were saying, you know, I'm so frustrated. I just wish they would do their do what's their job do their job description and it was like well when's the last time you read your job description you want some but you don't read your job description you want someone who's going to go beyond that you want to inspire them it's not about the job description because if you read that job description you wouldn't be doing half the stuff that mm -hmm. you're doing right. and so you got to inspire them beyond that and then the l is leverage right it's really a, a, around leveraging their strengths everybody is not going to be good at everything and so you have to really figure out 
where um, what their strengths are. Like, don't give the person who's not strong at public speaking. Don't make them get out there and public speak. Right. You know, um, don't. It's okay to push people beyond their comfort zone, but don't push them beyond their strength zone. You've yeah, got think, to know their strength. I think that, that, that that's all accurate. What happens is is that, and, and I have and have had a staff um, for, for years and years now, and I've noticed that now that I am more forgiving for, you know, foul-ups mm-hmm. and things of that nature, it gives me more time to learn their attributes, yes. to learn their weaknesses. And I think a lot of times you hire somebody new, three months in they make a mess up and because they've been there long enough for you to feel kind of like you have a good gauge on whether or not they're a person of value or substance for the team right. um you feel that way so you get upset yes you like you, you disappoint me and then sometimes you'll lose that person because yeah. you you react and then you took it personal yeah you took it personal, personal. you know and if you just kind of sit back and and let that person evolve and you know kind of talk to them, explain yeah. to them things, you give them enough time there f- so that as a leader you can say, well, here's where you're weak, Right. here's where you're strong, This is, these are the adjustments we need to make mm-hmm. so that we serve each other well. Yep. Yeah. And then the D is for discover their story. Look, there's always going to be a person you don't like. I don't care what you say on your team. I, I've had it. Mm-hmm. I, I've had teams and there's always been a person I did not like. I'm just going to be honest with you. And so when I feel like I don't like someone and what I try to do is really discover their story and and what you tend to find out is oh they're like that because of this life circumstance mm-hmm. or this life situation it's not I have a friend when you first meet her I'm like oh she's bougie mm-hmm. like she's very reserved and, blah, blah, blah. and I'm like mm, I don't like her that's not it. Right. It's the way she was raised. She was raised in the Pentecostal church. She's very reserved. She's very, that's just the way she was raised. But I had to discover her story mm, to find right. that out. And now when someone else says, oh, well, I think she's kind of snobby, kind of bougie, I have to say, no, this is her backstory. Wow. And they're like, yeah. oh, okay. I'll yeah, it's hard to chance. get there, too, because also people <laughs> judge with their eyes first yes. before yes. they actually have a conversation. Yes. So, yeah, it's a very interesting it's a very interesting dynamic yeah. how business works and yeah. people all, and all that stuff, too. But I will say this, and this is something I did learn. You hire slow, you fire, fire fast. fast. Yeah. The only way to get good at hiring is get good at firing. And you pull weeds. Do not let a weed stay in your organization because what do weeds do? They spread. They spread. spread. Yeah. And so don't be afraid to make those decisions. So before we finish off the podcast, let's, uh, let's talk about your book. Uh, okay. I, I think that's a super interesting thing because uh, you talk about mindset. You talk mm-hmm. about goal setting and stuff like that. What are the, the top skills that people need today? In today's world, what, do, what are the five skills? I would say you need, in today's world, you need emotional intelligence. I think that's a, 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 must. a must. You have to have emotional intelligence. You also need to be able to, and people might agree or disagree with this one, but I think you also need to be able to have negotiation skills. I really do. Um, because of the world that we live in, um, everything is, I won't say everything, but even like not bartering, but people don't stay at jobs forever anymore. 
right? And so you have to be able to, when you are talking to people, you have to say, well, how long, what's your career goals? What's your intent for staying here? How long do you anticipate staying here? Um, and oh, hopefully they're honest with you, <laughs> like yeah. three years, five years. And I always say, okay, good. Give me what you got for those three years, five years. Where do you want to go? And negotiate. Give me what, give me what you, give me your best and I will help you get to where you want to go. Mm -hmm. And there's nothing wrong with that. So negotiation skills, that's two. The other, um, I got three. Okay. Okay. The other one is going to be around, um, I said emotional intelligence. I said um, negotiation skills. The other one, I don't know how to say this, but you have to have, you have to be a risk taker. You have to be willing to take risks because if you are not willing to take risk, a lot of opportunities are going to pass you by. Mm -hmm. And maybe I'm biased because I, I appreciate risk takers. Um, and it could be that I am biased, uh, but I think that that ability to take a risk, and I'm not saying a spontaneous risk, I'm saying educated that a bit, risk, yeah. educated risk, right, will allow you to be innovative and to move forward. Um, I've seen people that overanalyze things and the opportunity passes them right by. Yeah. And I like risk takers. I like the people who have that, that skill calculated set. Risk the a, calculated is, risk is a, is a must. Yeah. So those are the three things um, that I look for that I think people need to bring to the table um, that that is going to do well in the workforce. Because I was going to act team building, da, 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 da. But if you have emotional intelligence, it's gonna cover all of those things. Mm -hmm. Even if you are not a team building person and you like to work in your silos and do all that, if you have emotional intelligence, you will figure out that the people around you need that. And so you'll come up out of your silo, even if it drains you for a little while, you'll come up and do that part because you have that emotional intelligence. Interesting. So that, that's why. Yeah. It encompasses adapting to other yeah. people's emotional status. Right. Yeah. And so I think if you don't have emotional intelligence, it's okay, there's a book out there. You can develop yourself in that area. Um, I tell you, when I first started out, um, maybe I still do it, uh, but when I, for now I work for myself, so I'm ignoring myself. Um, but when I first started out, I used to do 360 evaluations with my staff and that they, they could um, evaluate, we would evaluate each other without names and we would give it to a, uh, someone that supervises you, someone that's a coworker, someone um, in the community and they would write up these 360 evaluations and so a part of my 360 evaluation, and I still have it, people would come to my office and I'm a things to do girl, so I'm working my lists, right? Yeah. I ain't got time. So I'm sitting at my computer and I'm typing and they'll come up and they're like, can I talk to you? And I'm like, uh-huh. And I'm still going. And they're talking to me and I'm like, mm-hmm, I can do that. <laughs> and I just, I never would turn. I would never stop what I'm doing. And I would never give them eye contact. And for them, it seemed as if I was disregarding them. Mm. For me, I'm trying to get my endorphin hit and I'm multitasking and I can hear you and do at the same time. Right. But for them, it was a whole nother experience. So I realized for myself that when people talk to me, I have to stop what I'm doing and I have to turn and give them eye contact. Focus, that even yeah. helps in my relationship because I do the same thing to my husband. Yeah. <laughs> I was doing the same thing to him. But I'm more about I want to get that thing off my things to do list. Right.
Yeah, because then so. they, everything starts piling up. Yeah. Over time. Exactly. You yeah. get me. I get you. I, I know <laughs> these things because it goes He's into in a pod. You yeah, too, I man. get it. I, I get it. Trust <laughs> me. He'll be like this. I'll be talking. He'll be like Robert. Uh-huh. <laughs> Give me a second. Give me a second. <laughs> Give me a second. Uh, really? I need to finish this. Song. Yeah. So you, we got to work on that. Yes. I still got to work on that. You know. But yeah. So we're creatures of habit. Yeah, yeah we're creatures you know, of habit. And and but that all comes with the emotional intelligence the that you're talking about. Yeah. Like sometimes we got to be a little bit more considerate to yes. others feel yeah I yeah i know that. and it's not it's I say, i'm not inconsiderate that's not by all means how i'm trying right. to characterize myself i'm just trying to say look at me being defensive i'm just trying to say i can multitask yeah. i don't know about yeah. you but yeah. I can yeah. no, i'll tell everybody i cannot multitask <laughs> yeah. so don't call me and if i ignore you it's it's for a reason <laughs> i'll call you later right you know one thing that makes me nervous still is emails <laughs> emails give me the Jitters because really? I'm a things to do person yeah. and it becomes another thing to do. Thing to do. So I'm like trying to respond to the email so my list can be pretty and clean. <laughs> oh my God, it drives me crazy. Yeah, so. my, my list is dirty and messy, but it gets checked <laughs> it off gets all right. the time. But before we finish off, uh, tell everybody where they can find you. Oh, you can find me one call to action. I did learn that one call to action. So the best way to reach me is go to my website, www.supportingworldshope.com. And you go live, uh, quite often on LinkedIn, right? I do, I do. You know, I use this little thing called StreamYard. Mm. I'm not plugging StreamYard, but it's a <laughs> wonderful tool because it allows me to go live on, you can go up to four. Oh, wow. So I go live on YouTube, LinkedIn, my Facebook group and Facebook all at the same time. Yeah, wow. That's awesome. It's awesome. Like I love it. Well, yeah. guys, thank you all very much for coming to the session. By the way, if you have five hundred thousand dollars that you want to invest in our projects, there you go. <laughs> we got got it right here. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you guys later. Bye. Bye.